Welcome back to Mi Valle Mi Vida. I am Juan Carmona. And I am Mariana Luna, and we are your hosts. Today, we thought we'd talk about something very personal to us. We are both educators. We're both historians. We're both social studies teachers. And um, watching the news and, you know, seeing and reading what's going on when it comes to education seems very personal to us and the kind of work we do. And we decided to do a, um, a podcast just on that, just to, you know, air our views on it. And, you know, really you're hearing from teachers who teach history and teach social studies and who have degrees in it. Um, I have my master's in it. Ariana's on her way to getting her master's in it. Um, and so just seeing, you know, how our disciplines being used and words and languages being manipulated, we really just wanted to, you know, um, put the truth out there. Yeah, the purpose of this episode is really just to inform. Like we always want to do with every episode, we want to inform. And but also, you know, how does it affect us as teachers, but also as historians and people because I mean this is something we love to do this is our passion and I don't know the everything that's being said that's floating around makes us seem like we are we have nefarious intentions which we do not and it's all about education for us and informing which is one of the reasons why we started this podcast so yeah the purpose of this episode is to inform to shed some light to give more context because all these words are being thrown around with nobody really knowing what it is and it can sound scary if it is put in a certain context so um, we're going to start off with talking just a little bit about what exactly is critical race theory, otherwise known as CRT. So, Juan, do you have... Yeah, um, when we look at CRT, it's almost kind of funny that we're hearing this word a lot. And, you know, coming from people who probably couldn't define it if they tried, they like to say that uh, they, they use words like indoctrination, they use words about spreading hate and it and it's none of those things and to begin with you know um let's let aside the fears crt or critical race theory is in no way shape or form being taught in k-12 not even in undergraduate it is a graduate level course because it is a complex theory that you can't just sum up with crt um it is about structures in our um, society and examining how those structures have affected decisions that have made, laws that have been made, um, affected people's lives, people's societies, how cities are shaped. It is nothing to do with a single person. It has to do with understanding you know, um, large-scale structures. Now, one thing that is mentioned at times is like, well, you know, they may not be teaching all CRT, but they teach some of it. And what's really crazy about making a statement like that is um, I, I, before I became a um, historian, I actually worked in healthcare for years, and I like to use the analogy is you have, you have a certified nurse assistant 
who takes a blood pressure and understands a blood pressure is high, blood pressure is low. And she understands that about a blood pressure, but she sure as heck, she or he, excuse me, sure as heck do not have the same understanding of blood pressure as a cardiothoracic surgeon. That is a way to me, you know, that's a bit much higher level of understanding. And that's what we're looking at CRT is like, yeah, we can use certain words, certain things, but to say you're teaching CRT is just plain crazy. It's a very complex theory. It came out of um, legal studies in the 70s when they were trying to address issues like mass incarceration and trying to figure out like why are we why are we ending up with these numbers? We imprison more people than any other country in the world, including dictatorships in the land of the free. So, you know, lawyers are trying to figure out like what is going on that this is happening. They're looking at outcomes. And so they're looking at these structural institutions that have been into, put into place you know, over, you know, centuries. And, you know, and we have ended up, you know, still shaping our society. And if we understand these structures, then we can deal with them. But this is in no way something you're teaching anywhere K to 12. And like I said, even at the undergraduate level. Uh, so being in college myself and getting my master's, working on getting my master's, I did not know about critical race theory until probably, yeah, my first, my first semester of grad school. That's when I really got introduced to it. Um, it had been mentioned to me in my undergrad, but I didn't think it was anything, you know, as bad as they made it seem, right? I was like, oh, this is a cool theory. And so the first time I really delved into this critical race theory was in a class called um, Latinx Research Methodologies, which if you don't know what that means, it basically means how do you could different methods to conduct research and CRT was one of them which means you can do some research with a critical race theory lens meaning anything can be CRT if you put the lens on it so it's like putting on a pair of glasses and seeing everything um, in just one one lens so that means you're looking at just one part of a an event and just looking for those things like i like i had to explain it to somebody because i said well what is it i truly do not know so i said okay if you want to look at an event through the lens of crt you would look let's say you want to do world war ii world war ii is a very broad topic to historians everything's in there you can do military history you can do women's history you can do um, political history, you can do any type of history you want or any type of research you want on World War II, right? You're not going to encompass the whole event. But it, when you look through the lens of CRT, you're looking for how race plays a part in World War II or how ethnicity does or how it affected certain, how race or ethnicity affected certain things. That is CRT. So CRT scholars acknowledge that they are not looking at the whole picture. They are only acknowledging that race and ethnicity are, well, I should say argue. They are arguing that race and ethnicity had some effect on the way certain events transpired, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. But that's how I learned CRT. That's how I look at it. So when people are saying, oh, CRT is racist, CRT teaches us to hate white people or um it's being taught in k-12 it's not <laughs> it's not i guarantee you 
We do not teach CRT because there is no CRT class unless you're in law school. But there's no CRT class. There's no CRT curriculum. There's no something that says in the teaks. I think we can both attest to this. There is nothing in our teaks that says CRT. And honestly, I don't think Texas would allow that anyway. So you have no reason to worry about this being taught to your children. Um, so yeah, that's how I got exposed to CRT. I think it's a very interesting theory that we should consider, but I don't think it's the only theory that we should look at events with, if that makes sense. You know, you got to be open to other arguments and other points of view as a historian as well. Yeah, and just hearing Ariana explain it, you should um, come to the understanding that this is something, you know, that is complex. It is something that historians use. I mean, you could easily, instead of arguing CRT, you could be talking about post-industrial modernism. And these are words you're definitely, the kids aren't hearing. But why are we nitpicking those things out of some, you know, out of something that we need to be looking at? You know, there are many lenses in historiography, which is the, literally the history of history. We are not doing any kind of this work in K-12. Um, but I believe that it's um, because it's so complex, because it takes a long time to explain, it's much easier to say CRT is bad. It's indoctrinating your kids. Those are small, simple phrases that people can digest quite easily than someone who has to sit down and take 20 minutes to explain a theory. And, you know, and the fact that you have to take 20 minutes to explain it should tell you, you know, that it's not something as simple as being put forth. And any kind of simple understanding of it in no way encompasses the exact, you know, the, the entirety of the um, theory. Now, what it, this really is, is a disguised attack on education. And when in the time period where we're finally getting, you know, as generations move on and we're finally getting people learning in, you know, in college, a more complete, more com um, complex, um, more multiple point of view, critical analysis of history. And now these, you know, these stories that have been kind of hidden in plain sight, like the community knows these stories, but no one else does. These stories are finally being taken seriously and um, finally making their way into history books. And when I say these stories, I'm talking about stories of minorities, stories of women, um, LGBTQ stories. Now as historians, we, you know, we, we, we know, historians kind of know all this stuff. We know what was really behind all these historical events, but it's not being making its way to K-12 until now. Now we're allowing for multiple viewpoints in history. We're allowing for analysis of history. This has nothing to do with CRT. This is just plain what history is. Um, and so when we look at events now, we're starting to include like the voices of women, the voices of people of color. And this is allowed also grown into having classes that allow you know, for African-American studies, for Mexican-American studies, Native American studies, Asian studies, allow for different communities to learn the history of their particular community and the contributions of their particular community. Because if you just stick to the standard curriculum, you know, you, you would never really hear the contributions of your own people, even though they're there, they're in plain sight. But, you know, we're not seeing it in history books, therefore it's not being taken seriously. Um, so... 
what we're I think what we're seeing is a backlash of people finally learning. You know, there's more of the civil rights movement than Martin Luther King. There's more than the Chicano movement than Cesar Chavez. They're starting to learn like the complexities and the long history of this country, where they're starting to hear the voice of the Native American. They're starting to understand that the story of America that omitted all the bad things isn't a real story. You know, a lie can be a lie by omission. And so everyone's coming to understand these things, understand that Christopher Columbus was not the greatest person in the world, that a lot of the people that we've been holding up as heroes are genuinely flawed people. That doesn't mean that they didn't do good things, but we must understand them as a whole. And understanding them as a whole will actually do good for society because then you have people looking at people that they themselves are flawed and can and think that that's going to hold them down when they can lift themselves up like other flawed characters have lifted themselves up. So I see it as like, you know, we're trying to narrow back minds. We're trying not to hear the bad stuff and just, you know, which and create the create the myth. Well, not really create it. Run with the myth that has always been taught. I always tell my students, you know, the hardest phrase to, for anyone to say is I was wrong. And, um, and I can attest to that until I went back to school for history. I had very different political views. I had very different understanding of the world around me. And once I really was open, but I had to be open enough to learn this material, to not dismiss it. And now I have a better understanding and view of history. And it's something I want to impart to everybody. And one of the many reasons we have this podcast. Yeah. So me and Juan were actually, before we started recording, we were having a conversation. And I said, you know, I think sometimes people react the way they do negatively, like learning about ethnic history, um, Mexican-American history, which is what me and Juan do a lot. And, and I have a degree in it. So does Juan. Um, we teach. Well, Juan teaches Moss. I don't. Hopefully soon I will. Um, but how people react to this history, I think they react the way they do very negatively saying, oh, you're teaching hate, you're teaching racism, you're teaching that America was absolutely terrible is because I think they're just reacting to the fact that they didn't know this stuff and now everything they thought they knew is completely wrong or they were not told a lot of things intentionally. And I think anybody would say, and think, hey, that's not right. But the way that some people react to it very negatively is because of that. And I would like to think that's why people say the things that they say about us teaching, I'm doing air quotations, teaching hate and teaching racism and indoctrinating your students. And I think it's so funny that phrase, if we could indoctrinate students, we would tell them to do their homework. And they would actually turn it in. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing that teachers like, if we could convince students to do things, we would have 100% perfect students and no flaws whatsoever. So I can guarantee like this stuff is not, or CRT specifically is not being taught to students. But the fact that we are now getting like what Juan said, acknowledgement of minority history and minority contributions to history and um, women's history and LGBTQ history and those contributions to history, which, like Juan said, it makes it a more complete history. It is doing good because when you only get one side of the story, it's bad. <laughs> it's not, you're not getting everything. So things are being left out. So if we give you the complete history, it can allow you to think more critically, which is good. Critical thinking skills are great because 
then you won't take it, everything at face value, which can be deceiving. Like, you know, people can very easily convince you of things if you don't know. So that's how I feel about our attack on education. I want to add when a really good example, a colleague of mine at UKRGB, Dr. George Diaz, used it and he came to visit my class one time and he used this example and I really liked it and I've used it ever since. So, George, if you're listening, yeah, I stole this from you. Um, he said, if you're watching a football game and you have a camera, only one camera, and it's facing right down the 50-yard line and that's the only camera you get to see for the whole game, are you really seeing the game? Are you really understanding why the you know the points are going up? You know why someone's beating the other person? No, that's how we've been teaching history all this time with one camera facing in one direction, and we've never gotten the whole story. And we finally are doing that, and um, it, it's really upending a lot of people's you know understanding of what they were taught. And some people just can't like digest you know that they were you know that they were taught wrong this new information and this new information isn't about hate it's about love love for yourself love for your community acknowledgement that your people have had major contributions in the story of America it's about you know feeling love feeling pride has nothing to do with hate and that's one of the saddest things is people are using hate to call hate then turn love into hate and it's it's really crazy this is all about people feeling love for themselves and love for their community. And it's really interesting because I'm just sitting here staring at Adriana and I realized she was in my first mosque class. Yeah, I was in Juan's first ever mosque class in 20, the year 2015, 2016. Graduated in 2016. Um, I was in the first ever mosque class. And so what, what I learned in mosque, I, I'm not going to lie, it felt a little bit like I was doing something wrong when I was learning those things because it was just so like I had never heard any of that stuff before and yeah at first I, I, I'm gonna admit I was a little angry that one I wasn't told and two some of the things that the government did to Mexican Americans and our people and so yeah I felt a little bit angry but at the end, I became proud because you have all these amazing figures, women, men, especially the women. Like, I always think Jovita Ilar is a badass for everything she's done. So, yeah, Jovita Ilar, I just think she's amazing because she literally stood up physically to the Texas Rangers when they tried to burn down their printing press. So... I think that was, that's just amazing because, I mean, in that time period, you had to have a lot of courage to do that to the Texas Rangers. Anyway, so I'm, I'm swaying from the topic, but going back to what Juan said about, um, like, love, love for yourself, which learning all this stuff actually made me very proud to be Mexican-American. It gave me a lot of, I guess encouragement and inspiration inspiration is a better word that we can and we have done amazing things even if no one mentioned it even if it's not in the history books but thanks to moss and mexican american studies i learned this and i was inspired so much to change my major <laughs> and um change my major to history and i ended up double majoring in history and Mexican-American studies, 
and now I'm getting my master's in interdisciplinary studies which means I can I'm taking a bunch of classes on three different subjects history Mexican-American studies and political science because I like political science so yeah Moss did that for me I hope it does a lot of stuff for other students and I we've heard great things come out of the students who have um, taken Moss after me um, they've gone and done so many more things than our first Moss class did but just because you know they they have a lot more opportunity which is good which is good um, we did a lot of stuff too and I'm just happy that I took it because I wouldn't be here right now recording this podcast I wouldn't be in grad school I wouldn't be a teacher um, it's Moss that helped me realize my love for history and my love for education also yeah, and you know that that really just comes around to, um, you know that we're passionate educators, love our students, love our community, and and you know it's the word love that I like to use a lot because I think that the way people use CRT is to they think it's something to promote hatred and it and then you know to be honest we don't even teach it in schools but what we are teaching is about love. And, um, and it's about love and pride for yourself and for your community. Um, it's one of the many reasons that me and a group of people went um, probably five, six years to the state board to testify, to try and lobby and push to get Mexican American studies in, you know, K to 12 in Texas schools as a legitimate course, which we finally did. And I sometimes think that, you know, now that we're getting all these courses, they're now looking to approve an African-American study course, that it's scaring a lot of people. And this is kind of one of the many things that's at the roots of why people are trying to bash education using CRT, starting to ban books. And as historians, we start hearing banning books, you know, controlling education. And it's just bringing up some, you know, some very sore memories of the 1930s in Italy, Spain, Germany. And, you know, it's, it's sad that one of the famous phrases is history repeats itself. And I think someone said, uh, no, it doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And it sure as heck rhyming a lot right now. And it almost, you can almost see, hear the boots marching. Um, and it's a scary thing for us to see it because we can see, like, not, it, like I said, I'm here looking at Ayana. And I could literally remember seeing her and her older classmates' eyes lighting up with learning this new information, getting into learning you know, and um, and it was just a great thing to witness that and to continue to witness that to this day. And I just want to add, um, when we talk about, like, we can't indoctrinate kids. A lot of people think that, you know, kids are getting their ideas from other places, but kids, honestly, can think for themselves. I work with some of the brightest, smartest, most creative kids. They have never ceased to amaze me. And I really get a little angry when people talk down about kids. There are bad kids, yes, but there are bad adults too. But like to sit there and paint them all with that bag, you know, um, paint is, is it's, it's sad because the kids I work with are intelligent, wonderful. I learn from them every day. It's a two-way street when it comes to learning. And I just hate to hear all these attacks. And in a time period when teachers are stressed to the limit we're still dealing with covid we're still dealing with learning loss we're still dealing with all this and you know and then to be you know harangued with all these horrible stories and questions and you know you know we went to school we're historians we know what history is you know we know um we understand um education we know how to educate people like you know and, and it's kind of crazy to hear people tell us how to teach who aren't teachers 
it's like going into someone doing surgery and going, you know, it might be better if you cut this way with no medical training whatsoever. And I think teaching is a profession, it's a passion, and it takes an educated individual to do that. And it's not something that you, you know, everyone thinks I know what teachers do because they went to school. And Ariana's not that far from being a kid. Do you, re do you now know what teacher, like, do you think when you were a kid you thought, you know, that you knew what teachers did and now what's the reality of that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely know now. It's what you see is just the tip of the iceberg. Like what kids come in to see during that hour, hour and a half you have them, literally they don't know how many, how many hours I put in to just simply teach them about the causes of World War One. how many years of schooling I went through, how many, how much research I did, how much work I put in, um, not only like to be educated, but to learn how to teach them, but also like teaching them. So it's, you know, it's so much work goes into it. And yeah, I just, um, it's Moss, Moss and kids taking Moss or who take any class that mentions any type of history that had been excluded for a very long time, I can promise you <laughs> those kids come up with their own opinions, their own viewpoints so fast. You just tell them this happened and they'll say, well, isn't that wrong? Like they'll just say it. They, I promise you, we are not telling them to just say this because I've had, I can't every single day, I'll tell them something and they say, that's not right, but that's not right, but that's mean. But why would they do that? And so it's, yeah, so I get defensive about my mm -hmm. kids too. When they say, oh, you know, high schoolers and you don't know what, the, these kids don't know what you're teaching them and you're brainwashing them and all this stuff. It's like, no. Do you know how many times these kids have come up to me and asked me about events? Like, hey, miss, what do you think about this? And I'm just... Like, how, how and why do you know that? <laughs> and where did you find out this information? And I'm, I'm happy that they're doing their own research, but I also always tell them to also do, you know, extra research. But also, in my class, I encourage other opinions. Like, they don't have to think like me. And I say, don't write something or say something that you think I want to hear. Because I want you all to think for yourselves. And even if I don't agree with them, I want them to say, hey, well, you know what? I actually think this because of this and this and this. And as if they tell me that, then I just know that at least they learned. Because in order to have an argument like that, you have to have done some research. You have to have learned something. And that's great. Like, that's the goal. That is the goal. Not indoctrination, because if we could do that, again, we would indoctrinate them to do their homework and to like do everything that we tell them <laughs> work-wise, okay, work-wise, right? But these, these kids are way smarter than what the government makes them seem. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that people may or may not know that we do is that when we're looking at a particular event, you just give the kids readings, primary sources from that time period, and they make their own decisions. They make their own conclusions. And then we discuss those things. We don't give them conclusions. And that's in time, sometimes like hard for them because they're so used to it. And in history, we're like, no, you here's the evidence. What do you conclude? What do you synthesize from this? 
what do you have to support mm-hmm. that viewpoint also that's a big huge mm-hmm. thing that's in history we historians are not given the arguments that they write about we create those arguments but we always support them with evidence and it's exactly what we want our students to do even if we don't agree Mm-hmm. with those arguments well, they should using the tools of supporting their arguments with some sort of evidence but you know and that's what's going on in history classes getting kids to think and i think for some people kids thinking is a dangerous thing i guess but to me kids thinking bring new ideas new innovations you know if it wasn't for people having new ideas and new innovations we'd all still be riding horses yeah i have a lot of hope for this generation that i'm teaching they're they're so smart they're so funny they're smart they're so bright. They have, sometimes I want to say they're pessimists. They, they have, they just look at the world. They're like, yeah, we're screwed. And I'm like, no, no, you guys are so smart. You all can change the world. And I said, my generation, I'm not much older than them, but I said, my generation, I think we're still, we have a lot of work to do, but their generation, I think they, they have a lot of hope. I think I like to think that they will honestly change the world and see that's what we're trying to do education (laughs) like we want them to go out with the tools that they can use um to just make a better world for themselves and not we're not telling them you need to hate america because this this and this 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 happened right it's the skills that we're teaching them that will allow them to go out of school and say, and when they encounter a situation where it said, you know what, I don't think I know enough about this, so I need to go find more stuff out. That's the skill. And that is one of the skills that actually the state of Texas wants them to know. Like, can they support an argument? That's also on the AP exam. I teach three AP courses. They, all three AP courses, a skill is that they need to make an argument and support it with evidence. That's a skill. And that's a skill for anyone. It goes for anyone. So, yeah. And, and sadly, you know, uh, support with evidence is an interesting thing when, like, you're going back to CRT when people can't even um, explain what it is because they don't have the knowledge to explain what it is. But, I, you know, I do want to just kind of like, you know, um, because we said at the beginning, it's just something that we felt personal about. Like we're, we basically just climbed on two soapboxes right now, I guess, for the past few <laughs> 10, 15 minutes. But it was just something we just had to get off our chests. Um, and I just feel that, you know, I go back to hope. My kids are smart. Um, I love seeing what they come up with. The discussions we have they're just so engaging and there is nothing bad about that and there's nothing evil or sinister going on in classrooms kids are just learning and sometimes you know learning you know things that you may not have heard before but that doesn't mean that it's bad learning it means they're learning more than you and isn't that what we all want a better education for our children and I think this is all a very positive thing that people are trying to bring down and, you know, drag us back 10, 15 years and, you know, to where, you know, we don't see ourselves anymore. We start to have high dropout rates and stuff. These people are just so disillusioned with going to school and never seeing themselves in a book on a poster on the wall or just in general, like, you know, learning about themselves and seeing themselves even in media and in movies and all sorts of stuff. And this is the kind of 
you know, things I hope will change so kids feel more comfortable where they are, feel like they belong, and go out and do really great things for the world, but especially for the Rio Grande Valley, which is what, you know, which is one of the many reasons we do what we do. So in t until next time, we, we love you, RGV. RGV.